Thank you, Brother John, for coming up on short notice and doing that for me again. God bless you. Let's turn to Revelations chapter 17. Revelations chapter 17. This will lead right into the song. Right into the song, into the scripture. <clears throat> Verse 1. <clears throat> And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication." So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. A beast is a power, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and then this is a man looking because the Spirit told him to go in the wilderness to see all these things, but now he's looking, and maybe he's looking as a man. He says, and I wondered with great admiration. So when you would look at this woman, you would not detect all those things that were written behind. You would not see the mystery that was behind her. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? 
I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. As we bow our heads this evening, Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. We've just recognized as we've come into here, Lord, as the song was sung and as the scripture was read, Lord, that we are living in the very time that these scriptures are being played out. And Father, we ask that we would not be dull of hearing, that we would not just be looking at this superficially, but Lord, we're asking that you would give revelation, and revelation would cause a life, O Lord, that would live not by the way and the traits of this Babylonian system, but Lord, by a higher kingdom, a greater power, And Father, we're asking you that you will come. Lord, you'd anoint your servant. Lord, I'm unworthy to even speak these things. They've been laying in the Bible for for hundreds and thousands of years even. And Lord, you've come in this end time through a prophetic gift. And Lord, we're here speaking, just trying to echo that voice. Father, I pray you'll bless everyone that's here, everyone that's listening. And Lord, I pray it not be my voice, but your spirit that would speak to every heart. Grant it, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'm going to ask you to keep your your Bible open to this. I want to read, carrying on in verse 8. And it says, The beast which thou sawest and is not, shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, aren't you glad that there's a pull in your heart that has brought you into this message Friends, where would we be today if God had not left a little seed? And I say, just if there's a little tug, just take heed to it. That's your lifeline. And, And so John, who had wandered with admiration and was told by the angel, why did thou marvel? He said, now, these are the things that are happening. He says, but now here's the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings, for for five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even as the eighth or the seventh, shall go into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings, one hour with the beast. So I, I don't want to get into all these types and boggle you. It's a Wednesday night, and I just want to be concise with the thought. But the end of it is, says this in verse 13, These all have one mind, and they shall give their power and strength to the beast. So every kingdom is under the, con- <coughs> under the control of Satan. And it says, They shall make war with the Lamb, But the Lamb shall overcome them. 
For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. If I can be found in one scripture in Revelation 17, let me be in that one. Let me be in, in, in chapter 8, that of those that were, whose names were written in the book of life. Amen. I'm going to also ask you just to turn over back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the life is not a father of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I, I, this, as I wrote this looking at the title now, I don't proclaim to be uh, that I've got a great revelation or great mystery. I just believe the Word of God. But I want to speak on the truth of mystery Babylon. And I'm going to take my context a little bit out of the setting that we've been following in, in some of our um, Wednesdays, and that is the time of the captivity. And if I could just give you a bit of a picture, under the time of the captivity, there was a going out from Jerusalem into Babylon, and that was under Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah the prophet, and then Ezekiel was one of the prophets. So these were prophetic books that spoke of the going out. The Lamentations spoke of the Spirit of God being expressed through a prophet, a man called Daniel, the grievousness of God in it all, and, and, lam and the Lamentations that literally was a man weeping and crying out for what was happening at that moment. The Chronicles would, would, would highlight the ending up to that period, but then the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are records of what happened as not just the going out, but, but the coming, coming back. Now, while the people were in captivity for 70 years, um, let me just maybe drop this in for a moment. Lamentations uh, was, was, was Jeremiah weeping. Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah are a record of them coming back. Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi are all prophets that were prophesying at that time of the return. But for the bulk of the 70 years that they were in captivity, it was Ezekiel that was a prophet, but there was one other prophet out of all of this time was the prophet Daniel. Daniel was a young man who had served in Babylon. He had actually come out. He was one of the captives that was carried captive. He had to come out under the king of Israel and he was in the time of Babylon, 70 years that he was there. He was a young man. But he served God faithfully in that whole time. Showing that God in a man, God in a true and faithful servant can overcome all the systems of the world. And it was Daniel who had lived that time and he was under the king Nebuchadnezzar first. Then it was Belteshazzar, then it was Darius, and then it was Cyrus. These were the kings that Daniel served under. There's no record that Daniel actually ever came back, 
But while Daniel was there and while he was in the spirit of this captivity and there was this struggling of these two kingdoms and these forces on the earth, there was the greatest kingdom in the world that time which was known as Babylon and there was the kingdom of God under, under Jerusalem and, and God dealing with them and ascending them into Babylon. So these were, in a spirit world, these were two forces that were there at that time. And it was Daniel, the prophet, that he was there. And I'm going to just read a little bit from Daniel, and I'm going to ask you to have your Bible handy. handy. But it would start under Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2. And we know the story. I'm not going to read all the scripture. But Daniel would have a dream, and he'd have a dream. He wouldn't have a dream, but actually Nebuchadnezzar would have a dream. And Daniel would see the dream and interpret the dream when nobody else could do it. And so Daniel would tell the dream back to Nebuchadnezzar and says, you are, there's an image you saw, it had a head of gold, it had a breast and arms of silver, it had a belly and thighs of brass, and it had legs of iron and clay. And, and he would, would speak of this. And then he would give the interpretation. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 36, he would say, This is the dream, and I will tell you the interpretation of to the king. So now he's telling the interpretation for everybody to hear. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, he has given into your hand and he has made you a ruler over them all. Thou art the head of gold. My, I, I imagine if Nebuchadnezzar was standing, I knew that. I, I, that's me. You know, and... and and there was an element of pride in Babylonian society. It would show up later in Nebuchadnezzar's life when he would look at everything that was around him, the hanging gardens, the waterfalls, the beauty of it all. He'd say, I did this with my own hands. And, and he was warned of the prophet. And he was made to live like a beast for seven years until he came out of that and said, there's only one God. So God is able to abase any king. But it was this kingdom which looked so fine. And then he, Daniel, while he's in this spirit, he catches that there was going to be something follow it. And he says in verse 39, And after thee shall be another kingdom inferior to thee, and another kingdom of... Uh, uh, shall arise another kingdom, another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And then he comes down to the fourth, and he says... And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, as iron that breaketh all these, it shall break in pieces and bruise. Now, if you actually look and you'd think about these things, if you could imagine there's a head of gold, there's this silver, there's the brass. So there was a finery that was attached to the gold. There was, there was an element that, was, that would carry into the silver and down into the brass. But now when it comes to the iron, which maybe didn't look as fine and look, look as good, but in the interpretation, he would say it would be strong. And he would say it would break in pieces. In other words, it would rule in dominion and in power. And almost, you could say, in cruelty. So while the other kingdoms were greater, 
there is a spirit that was already coming out by virtue of what Daniel was seeing. And he would say, and whereas thou hast saw the feet and the toes and part of potter's clay and part of all these things, he's saying the kingdom shall be divided. It shall be the strength of iron for as much as the iron was mixed with miry clay and as the toes of the feet were part of iron, part of clay, the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas you saw the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now, if you could appreciate, this goes back, the origins of this go back to Babylon at the time of the captivity. But they manifest right down to the day we're living. And we have lived to see the very fulfillment of this image coming into power. We, we actually were great, great you should be so grateful that God would send a prophet that would point out the very fulfillment even down to the names of two dictators. Well, not two dictators, but one was a dictator. And, and he says, but it was Khrushchev, which was clay, and Eisenhower, which their names actually mean clay and iron. Now, I, I just trust you can appreciate this. I know you've heard it many times, but I'm just trying to put it into a picture here for a moment. So now I, I, I need you to think of this for a moment. So Daniel, he gives this vision. And he sees these four kingdoms. And he tells this to, to the kings and all that are present. But it's like the church ages. And Brother Branham would speak on the church ages. And he would talk about there are seven church ages. And the seven church ages... Each of these churches had characteristics. And if you read the Church Age book, it's not just a book of history. Because those characteristics, they actually tell of what happened. And they, they tell the influences that were behind them. The traits that were there. And they give an element of light that carries right down to this last day. And it shows the working of the Antichrist spirit that started out in infancy in the church and in how it carried through the dark ages. It interwove itself right down to this last day. It shows the resurgence of God through, the, through Luther, the Sardis age, and then into Wesley and down at these last ages. It shows all of those things. But if you actually take that 70-year period of Daniel... There was four kings that were there, but Daniel also sees a vision of 70 weeks. And, and so, I, I don't want to get you confused with all these things, but, and while Daniel's there, he sees a vision of four kings, four kingdoms. And these four kingdoms, uh, they, they, they intersperse, and there's an element attached to them. Now, I, I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 7 in a moment because this will enter, you'll see where I'm going in a minute. The church age book tells of seven ages, but the seals actually tells of four anointings that are over those ages. And so it actually goes into a deeper level where you can see the spirit that's working behind it and you need both and you need to see it and, and it actually illuminates us to what has come right down to us today. Now, I, I'm, I'll just read this. Brother Brandon would make this statement in the Seals book and, and you'll maybe just understand what I'm trying to say. He would say, now... He's talking about the, sea, the, the church ages, opens, 
And he says, when a church age opens, a trumpet sounds, and it's the same time, and at the same time, the seals. Now he says, as a church age opens, a trumpet sounds, a trumpet always denotes war or political disturbance. A trumpet does a political disturbance, and that causes war. When you get to messing in politics and you get them all messed up, look out, a war is at hand. Now, he would, he's speaking this in the first seal. And, and he would actually say more and he would talk things, but I, I just want to get down to this part. He says, a trumpet means a political disturbance. Now, he note, knows this, he says this, and this he's relating it to the churches. And he says, trumpet denotes political disturbance, but the seals deals with religious disturbance. So now he's taking it into a different channel or a different vein. Are you with me? I want to make this simple. He says, a seal is opened, a message is dropped, the church is always set up in its political ways and whatever, but when the real message drops down, the messenger goes forth and he shakes them to pieces. That's right. It's a religious disturbance when a seal is opened. Now, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I need to just to bear with me, and if you don't get this all in one service, I, I need you to just take that and just hold on to it for a little bit. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, we're doing this as a bit of a Bible study. Maybe I'd like to minister just and, and preach a little bit yet, but I just need to get this part off my heart a little bit. So, after Daniel chapter 2, then it was Nebuchadnezzar was gone, and now it's Belteshazzar, which is Nebuchadnezzar's son. So Daniel says, in the first year of Belteshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel, I had a dream and visions of, my he- of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream, and he told the sum of the matters. Daniel spoke, and I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove on the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea. Now, beasts are powers. So now he's not just seeing natural kingdoms, but he's seeing powers behind the kingdom, behind these kingdoms. The first was like a lion. It had eagle's wings. I beheld the wings there were plucked, and it was lifted from the earth and made stand on the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. So he's, he's really identifying there the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Now in, in chapter 5, he says, I beheld another beast, seemed like to a bear. It raised itself up on one side. It had three ribs in the mouth. Be- of it, between the teeth of it, and thus they said, arise, devour much flesh. Now, now look at, there's a different trait that's coming to this kingdom in, in what's behind it. Okay, but he's, he's, he's giving more illumination to what was the image of, of gold, silver, brass, and iron. And he says, after this, I beheld, and lo, Another, like a leopard, which had on the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. So now he's, he's got all three. Now, I'm, I'm just going to take this because I, I, I want to bring this into the message. Brother Branham actually speaks in the message, Mark of the Beast, 1954. 
And he says, now Revelation 17, it says the waters represented thickness, multitudes of people, and a beast represents a power, an ungodly power. And I saw the beast, and now he says, and he goes right into Daniel chapter 7. And he says, and he, he, he starts talking. Now, you've got two things under consideration. Watch this beast. It had four different characters in it. Now take Daniel chapter 7. Daniel saw the same vision 800 years before this. He saw the vision. He saw those beasts separate from one from another in the beginning of the Gentile ruling. So this is where Babylon began to rule. In, 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 and it ruled earlier, we know that, but as far as ruling over even God's people. And that was ruling over Israel at that time. Now John saw the end of the Gentile ruling, and the four of these beasts were represented in one. Daniel saw them as four separate identities, but John saw them come together as one. Now take where I'm going here. And John, seeing the end of the Gentile uh, ruling, he saw them represented in one. These same old devils, demons, that possessed each kingdom of the Romans down through, the Greeks and so forth through the Gentile dispensation, has all come down and met in one beast, and you'll find him directly and you'll see who he is. Now remember, the leopard, the lion, the dragon, who knows what the dragon is, the dragon represents Rome. Now let me just, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of information. Are you with me? Okay, thank you. So we're back in Daniel chapter 7, and now he goes to verse 7, and he sees all these three powers, but now he sees the next one. And he says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, had great iron teeth. Now, it's actually paralleling what was already said in Daniel chapter 2, the strength of it, but now it's, it's giving characteristics. It's saying it was dreadful and terrible and strong. It devoured and break in pieces. It stamped the residue with the feet of it. It was diverse from all the beasts were, that were before it, and it had ten horns, going right tying into Revelation 17. So it's using the word diverse. Now how many remembers the song that was just sung here? Okay, we, we, we won't ask Ethan to put the words up, but in verse 1 it would talk about Babylon with her pleasure-driven ways, her music and her fashion, the Hollywood. Why don't you put the words up to that song if you, if you don't mind, if you can find it, if, if you're not too far away from it. But it says it stimulates us, as, as Brother Paul was inspired, it stimulates us, it pulls us away. So there's, some, there's a characteristic of Babylon that's around us to this very day. Go, go to verse 1. Her pleasure-driven ways. Have some fun, forget about tomorrow. Is that the spirit of the world today? Is that what's in the world right now? And it says, her music and her fashion. Everywhere you go, I'll tell you what, music is a spirit that can get on people. Music captures people. They're singing words to music that are almost satanic sometimes. And I'll say this, there's a difference between godly music and Babylonian music. It's a different subject altogether, but I'm, I'm just trying to identify the diversity of this kingdom. 
And then he would say, and her fashion. Everywhere you go, you look at fashion. What starts in a magazine and a little grocery store lineup, it isn't long, it's on everyone. You back up 10 years and you take somebody out of current society and have a woman parade around with these leotards, literally, and everybody would be gasping. But it's so conditioned. It's the fashion. And if you're not careful and you're looking at it, it'll draw you in. Friends, that's what I say. you got to be careful how much you become accustomed to the society that's around us. And when a prophet would speak, I'm not speaking a clothesline religion. But he had, he had a reason for saying it. Don't be caught up in it. It's a spirit. Listen. To wear your hair the way you wear it. Sisters, to have a dress. Brothers, to have your hair cut the way it is. This was not just Brother Branham's idea. This was the Spirit of God that came down in this last age and told us how to live and how to conduct ourselves. Don't get accustomed to Babylon and her ways. There's death behind it. It can stimulate the flesh just like wine. When Israel went into Babylon, there was much appeal to the flesh. We spoke the message leaving Babylon. There was much appeal to the flesh. So much so that when the call came to come out, not everybody came out. There were some that are saying, you know what? I got a good living here. You know, I, 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 got, my, I got my taco stand here and I'm making a lot of money. Like, I don't really need to leave. You know, and I, I got a good, good business going here, you know, making, making Babylonian fashions or something. Or, you know, but you know what? They got too accustomed to what they were seeing. Friends, unless we're constantly in the Word, and I, Brother Andrew made, made a good point in a prayer as we were going into prayer, just talking about Daniel. When Daniel recognized the time, he went into prayer. When we recognize the time and we see these things, we need to be more steadfast. Lord, I don't want to be caught up with these things. I don't want them, I don't want them to become just, just a part of my being and my makeup that I'm comfortable, that I can't be loose from it. But Lord, let me be loosed. And I, if I can just say it clearly, before there ever comes a destruction of Babylon, there has to be a loosing of all those that, whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'll say this right now, you're either serving Babylon, or it's coming right down to this, you're either going to serve Babylon, or you're going to serve the kingdom of God. There is no middle ground anymore. It's coming to that time, and the word of God is shaping and cutting us. So there's one element, there's a diversity to this fourth beast. It stimulates the flesh. What did it say? In, in Revelation 17, they've drunk the wine of her fornications. All the merchants of the earth, all the kingdoms of the earth, all the economies of the earth. It, don't fall in love with this world. This is not Brother Ed's idea, it's not Brother Harold's idea, not Brother Branham's. This, this is the Spirit of God that spoke to us in this generation. 
If, if, you, if there's a question in your mind about a, uh, something you're, you're partaking of, and, and remember, Satan's goal is to pull you into his system. His goal is to occupy you. It's to entrap you. Because in Revelations 18, it identifies Babylon as a cage. In other words, you're bound in it. You can't get out. Friends, we see it's tightening. We see that the liberties that we used to enjoy are not the same anymore. That kingdom is tightening right around us right now. Don't be caught in it. All the while, she pulls us away from everything divine. Okay, just keep that up. Just for a, just keep that handy. I'm going to come to the next part of this. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. Ethan, if you can just take that, please. Daniel chapter 7. So we were at chapter 8, and he says, Daniel, and I considered the horns, and there came up among them another little horn. There were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in the horn were eyes of the eyes of a man. And I'm always speaking things. I'm not going to get into these things, and I don't pretend that I know all these things. I don't. I'm being honest. Drop down to verse 11. And I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, and I beheld even the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to a burning flame. And as concerning the rest of the beasts, now he's talking about the three beasts before him, as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. So that head of gold was swallowed up by the silver, was swallowed up by the brass, was swallowed up by the iron. So their dominion was taken away. It all boiled out into this. But notice these next word. And yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So something came through that head of gold. Something came through the Babylonian system that filtered down into the Medes and the Persians. Something filtered from the Medes and the Persians down into the Greeks. And then it filtered right down to Rome and it exists into this very day. And there was something out of all of those kingdoms that filtered right down. Now listen as Brother Bannon would speak of this a little bit. And he, and he talks about it, he says... These four beasts in the Bible represent a power among the people. Daniel saw a certain nation rise up. He saw another power rise up and another one. And he says they all represented powers. Now, in, in, in the uh, church age book, and this is under the Pergamion church age, and if you really want to take time and study Babylon, we went to Nimrod and we went to some of these other things. And he says this. By history we can prove that it invaded the whole world and became the basis of every system of idolatry, the theme of mythology through the names of the gods in the various sections of, of the land. Now it says, the Bible does not deal in histories of other nations, and we'd have to search the records to find out how, because he's talking how Pergamus became the seat, uh, the satanic religion of Babylon. He says, Egypt received her science and mathematics from the Chaldeans. In turn, Greece received them from Egypt. And since the priests were in charge of teaching these sciences, sciences, and these sciences were used as a part of religion, we already know the key as to how the Babylonian religion gained its strength in these countries. And he says... Whenever a nation overcame another nation, the religion of the subduer became the religion of the subdued. 
And he said, it's well known that the Greeks had the very same signs of the zodiac as the Babylonians. It was found in the mysteries of Babylon from nation to nation. It appeared in China, in India, and everywhere. All the same basic worship. Now, Brother Madam would actually say in the very beginning that it was, it was uh, uh, Nimrod who founded this in the book of Genesis. And he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to use a religion to gain control over the people. And he he did all three things that he did. And I don't have that quote here with me right now. No, here it is. He wanted to propagate his own religion. He wanted to make a name for himself. And he wanted to build a strong nation. His His accomplishments were so monumental that the kingdom of Babylon became the head of gold of all the world governments. So it's had its roots, and it carried right through. We took last week, Nehemiah 13, how these things filtered right through back into the temple under Jew- Jewish worship again. Now, I, I, I need to move along in, in Daniel, here in Daniel chapter 7. Just drop with me, if you will, to... So when it says in verse 12, their lives were prolonged for a season, there was an influence that went through. So stay with me. Verse 15. And I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. And I came near unto one of those that stood by. So Daniel's seeing all of these things, but now he asks this honest question. What is the truth of all of this? And I, I want to just say to you, this is not just words on a paper. How does this affect me? How does this affect my viewing of things? How does this affect my relationship with God? How do I do things that may be displeasing to God? And, 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 I, and I say this because we're coming to a time where it's either in or out. The, the, this, I believe, friends, I believe this with all my heart. This is Satan's last attack on the church. His last attack on the bride. And he is coming with full force. He is coming to discourage you. He is coming to disrupt you. To to do anything he can to stop you from gaining headway. And I, I bear testament to it. Anytime you gain a little ground with God, you take a step forward, you seem to gain some headway, here comes the devil. Why? He knows his time is short. Now, he would say, let me know the truth of this. And he told me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts which are four are four kings that shall arise out of the earth. Drop down to verse 19. And I would know the truth of the fourth beast which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, whose nails were of brass, and he devoured, and he brake in pieces, and he stamped the residue with his feet. And he again says in verse 20, and the ten horns were in his head, and the others came up, and, and, he, and he says, and a mouth that spoke great things, and he looked more stout than his fellows. Drop down to verse 23. And this is the fourth fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be diverse. Now, 
again, it uses this word diverse. We, we read chapter 1, or we read verse 1 of the song, which talks about the fineries and the Hollywood and all of these things. But there's another part to this. Because it was under the Babylonian system that Nimrod brought a forced worship on the earth. That started in Nimrod, but it actually came out while Daniel was in Babylon. And there was a time when Daniel was told that he had to bow, or his friends had to bow, and at the time of the music, and at the time of you know, the psaltery and the harp and all of these things, you've got to bow before an image. And the image was actually Daniel. And, and, and he had to bow before the image. And, and I'll tell you what, the liberty that they had to go to that song service or that hymn service, and I doubt it was that. Call it a rock concert. Call it what you want. But the liberty they had to worship, the fact that they wouldn't worship, the spirit that was on that move was so much that it meant death to anybody who would not bow to it. Friends, you watch this crossover. You watch, and I'll just take something simple. In the time of Rome, it was, they had fun, they had idolatries, they had parties, they had the Roman circus, they had the games, the Olympics. Listen, the Olympics came through Greek culture. It was resurrected in the 20th century after all this time. What did that filter down through? The, the Greek kingdom. Where did all of these things come from? Where did the games in Rome and all of these things, it started out so innocent, just games. Look, look at it's sports, it's NHL hockey, it's NFL football, it's this. But watch the spirit that goes behind it. Watch what goes in. I, I was so disappointed years ago. They, they had, they, they had it, was, it was revealed that one of the coaches in the NFL put, a, put a, a bounty, he gave a reward to his players if they could injure one of the other players. What's the spirit behind it? And so that spirit behind it in Rome, it wasn't long before the games became the Christians being ushered into the arena. That's the spirit behind all the games, behind all the fun. That's the spirit behind video games, kill, shoot, maim. That's the spirit that's a Babylon. Love not the world or the things of the world. Don't have anything to do with it. Be careful how much you get involved. Don't be too attached to those things. So it's diverse. It's not just one thing. And now it says in verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And he shall think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hands until a time and times and dividing of time. And Brother Branham would come and he would speak and he would tell us about Jezebel religion. And he would tell us what was rising up in America. And he says, don't fear the iron curtain. Fear the purple curtain. Now, I, I'm going to put you into the world that we live in. It was just in December that a bunch of nations got together. And they wanted to, they want to have this economic reset. But they decided, we're going to pool our money together. 
and we want to give it to somebody who can administer it for a good cause. So they gave it to the Catholic Church and said, you know what's right. We can trust you. Look at the new president coming in. Look at all of the things. Oh, these are a good cause. And what was, what was under the Babylonian religion? It was a religion where it was good. It was good to be one with another. You can have worship. You can have all of these things. But just don't deal with sin. Just don't have the Holy Ghost. Don't let the Spirit have the way. Don't let that happen. Now, Ethan, if you can, put up the second Put the second verse to the song because this is another aspect of what's behind it. Brother Bannon would say, you might think that's a nice church, but it's called the mother of harlots. You might think that that's all of these things. John himself wondered with admiration. She was dressed in fineries and had all of these things, and she spoke nice words. Daniel chapter 11 actually speaks that with flattery she would speak. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you'll be swept up in it somewhere. It'll look so good, so appealing to the eye, but you need to be in the Word. You need the Spirit of God to be kept from it. Now it says, Babylon, the mystery reaches further to the soul. Put religion on and never let the Spirit have control. Oh, friends, if that ever happens in this church or in the message, I say we have fallen. Don't ever make this a form. If there's a time that a minister can't speak against sin, we have fallen. If there's a time we can't speak about what's right and what's true, we have fallen. If there's a time we have to cater to the flesh, we have fallen. Doesn't mean it's always easy. Doesn't want to let the Spirit have control. Friends, the very seeds of the Babylonian system of Nimrod was to control the people. The very seeds of denominationalism was to control the people. It started out in the early church as a Nicolaitan spirit. What was it? Just looking down on the lesser and putting yourself up higher. Under Christ, we're all equal. We're not one above the other. There's no hierarchy. We're under the Holy Ghost. That's what we want to be. We want to see Jesus in our midst. We don't want to see just a man and, and, a, and a man-made system. We want to see God's kingdom in play. Friends, I, I, I don't just want to use this denomination. This, this, this. I want to boil it down. There's two kingdoms in the earth today. There's one kingdom of God and there's one kingdom of Satan. Now, so it's not just entertainment, it's not just political, but it's also religious. All of these things come together. Let me just deal with the fashion part real quick. 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7. Paul would speak this. And he talked about his time on earth. And he's speaking to the Corinthians. And he said in verse 29, But this I say, brethren, the time is short. He's speaking on marriage and divorce, but he brings something in here, or marriage and, and, and husbands and wives. He says, 
It remaineth that both they that had wives be as though they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they that possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. So I'll say this. Don't get too hung up, too caught up in an entertainment. Don't get too hung up where it becomes everything. You know, it, it, you've got to leave a measure of and say, it's only here for a season. It's only here for a time. You know, maybe not everything's right in my life and this and this, but it, it's not going to be very long when it's, it's not going to be that way anymore. You know, when you're, when you're really fighting it and you're gritting it and you're, you're stuck in a lineup waiting for coffee or something, you know, this too will pass. Yes, it will. You know, don't, don't get hung up. You know, the rapture's coming. We're not far away from home. So in other words, our vision ought not to be entangled with these things, but it ought to be looking beyond the horizon a little bit. Yeah, it's still there, but i got to look a little further. Teach me, Lord, to look and see what you're seeing. Help me to keep my eyes on things above. Jump over to 1 Corinthians 9, just another chapter over, verse 24. Know ye not that ye that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Now Paul would say, make this distinction, and he actually gets this out of the Greek culture. <laughs> so he was living under these kingdoms, but he was able to say, hey, it's the Olympics. Let, let's, let's just get, it. Let's get tickets. Let's be there. No, he just kind of was an outside observer. If you need to know about hockey, know enough that you can talk to somebody a little bit about it. But you don't need to know how many assistant penalty minutes the star player had. Okay? I'll just tell you, if you've gone that far, you're too far. <laughs> so, so Paul would say, now, so run that you may obtain. What? You're not going to become a hockey player by watching hockey. There's no scouts sitting watching all the people that are watching to see their interest in offering you a tryout. It's not going to happen. Okay, good. Thank you. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Oh my. I feel sorry for them. They're putting all their effort into chasing a piece of frozen rubber around the ice. And they're running around here. They're running. And they get their teeth knocked out. And they get their head bashed in. And they get their knees knocked out. And, and by the time they're 40, they're hobbling around. Feel sorry for them. Don't look up to them. And then look at what you're receiving. Service after service after service. It is creating a new body. It is creating something in you. Don't get caught up in it. One of the greatest tools the devil has right now is social media. It's there. It's everywhere. You know, you can't control the theaters that pop up everywhere. You can't control the different YouTube channels that come up everywhere. But you can control how you put the on button or the off button on. And ask God to give you some control. Listen, we're not going to escape it. We still got to go to the supermarket. You don't, you know, you don't go there because there's Babylonians there. No, you don't do that. Or because they got a Babylonian checkout system. No, you don't do that. You got to live in this world, but you got to do it as running a race. Don't get caught up with it. Don't worry if you've got the newest phone or not. It's not going to make a difference. 
No, that wasn't as much of an amen, but... Friends, you can control where you go, what's in your power. There's a Holy Ghost in you. Listen, don't be brought under the power of it. Listen what, what Paul would say here. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection. Now, Paul had to do this. I have no confidence in the flesh. He used to. But he says, I can't. But I bring it into subjection. When we spoke on Sunday about staying in a channel, stay in a channel where God can speak to you at any time, where you're not very far from God moving on your heart or doing something from you. In other words, oh, hey, somebody needs prayer? Oh, hang on a second. I, I was just watching this, this thing on YouTube or whatever it was, and I, I got to go pray up first. There's a group of people that had to do that too. They're called foolish virgins. They had to pray up. Stay prayed up. You don't know the hour. You don't know the time. Listen, let me just take it one step further. Brother Bannon would say there's three types of believers in the church. An unbeliever, a make-believer, and a believer. And in some respects, the unbeliever can be seen much quicker than the other two. The unbeliever, you can identify them by, you know, they're not even interested. Yeah, when it's time to, to preach here, they're looking here. When it's time to clap, they're not clapping. When they're, 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 and I'm not just because you don't clap, don't, don't get condemned now. But I'm just saying, that's an unbeliever. But what's the difference between a believer and a make-believer? Because outwardly, they're doing the same thing. What's the difference? Inside the believer, there's something saying, oh, man, I, I came across this quote the other day, and I'll just share it with you real quick because it was a blessing to me. And, 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 and he would say, this is actually in the message, three kinds of believers. Now, where did I get that from? It's kind of strange. He says, Brother Branham, he says, does, does it really help if you put up your hand? Now, listen to how he says it. You've testified that there's something in your life that you know. There's a little something. You don't want it to be there. Okay, now he's talking some little pull of the world. Some little pull. Can we be honest with ourselves? Ministers, deacons, trustees, teenagers. I won't ask for the infants. He said, you've testified. Now, he, listen, listen to how he says he prays. Lord, forbid that I would be a Judas. Forbid that following along in a message that somewhere I might find a little flaw that would show up. God, not me. This is the prophet. He's saying, let me stay right with your word. Or maybe I'd be an unbeliever that just simply thinks, well, why don't the rest of them say so? If you're only measuring yourself by what everybody else is doing and not what's in your heart, I'm telling you, you've got to move beyond that. You, it's good enough to look up to things, but let it come down to your heart. Saying, I don't want to be like that either. I want to be, be a believer. I want to see God's word of the hour. Listen, if revelation is beyond you, cry out for it. This message is not a philosophy. Babylon is a philosophy. This message is a revelation. 
I remember I was a young man and, and I, 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 I prayed and, and fear struck my heart that I would deceive someone or that I would transgress God. And I remember something came out of me at that moment when I prayed. I said, Lord, if I ever would do that, kill me first. And I said, where did that come from? That's the true seed of God speaking. I'm not trying to lift myself up, but I'm saying somewhere you don't love your own life. Somewhere there's something in you that doesn't like what your flesh does, that doesn't like what your spirit goes to, but there's something more real on the inside. And you say, I don't want to be like Babylon. I don't want to partake. Lord, I can't have these things. Cry out for it. Don't sit there. Does it make a difference? Absolutely it makes a difference. God looks on the heart. He sees what's in you. Don't try and blend into Babylon. Don't try and be a chameleon. Well, maybe they won't notice that I'm a believer if I do this or I wear that kind of clothes. Don't try it. Let God see who you are. Let the world see who you are. Paul would say, I therefore run, so as not uncertainly I fight, I not as one that beats the air. I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection, that if any by any means, when I've preached to my others, I myself should be a castaway. Go over to Philippians chapter 2. Over to Philippians chapter 4, sorry. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were perfect, that I would follow after, that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I, I, I would like to be honest to say I'm not coming to church to show you how much I know. I need the word as much as anybody else. I need these brothers ministering to me. I need to be washed by the water of the word. I need to keep attaining. And Paul would say, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the high calling. I'm going to go back to Philippians chapter 2 now. Sorry, Ethan, if I'm causing you to jump around. And he's saying, hmm, now I think I got the wrong one. Paul in one place is saying, okay, if I don't get it, I'll just repeat it. He's saying in one, one place, he's saying, I've been instructed in all things both to be hungry and yet full. Both to be abased and to be satisfied. Both to be content and to be looking for more. So how does that happen? Well, in the world, you're, 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 if you're just driven, you're always hungry for more of the world. But if you're in Christ, you live in the world, you just make do with what you need to, but you keep looking to God. I need more of you. I need more of you. Lord, help me that I may walk with you. Help me that I may do these things with you. That's part of what, he, what he's saying. Now, I, I really, to just wind this down to, for today, because there's a whole part of this that gets into the the blending of the woman to a religious woman. And I'm not going to get into that today. But I want you just to go with me back to Daniel chapter 2. Now, I showed you all of these kingdoms. 
I started to show you the spirit behind these kingdoms. And if all you had to live by and say, oh, God, help me from these kingdoms. But I need to show you something positive. Because at the time of this fourth kingdom, there was another promise. Daniel chapter 2, we're just going to pick this up in verse 44. So right after the fourth kingdom, what does Daniel see? In the days of those kings, which kings? Khrushchev and Eisenhower. In the days of those kingdoms, of those kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It's on earth now. God is setting it up. It is in a people now. God has come. You can't stop this kingdom. And he says, and the kingdom shall be not left to another people. In other words, it's not going to carry on for years and years and years. And he's saying, and it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Oh, thank God. The Republican Party will not dwell forever. The Democratic Party will not. The liberal, the NDP, the conservatives will not. But the kingdom of heaven will last forever. COVID will not last forever. Rules and regulations will not last forever. They will break down and we will leave. There'll be no masks in heaven. There'll be no microphones. I say that by faith. If you have a favorite mask, make the best of it now. That's all you're going to get out of it. It said it will consume all these other kingdoms. Right now, the kingdom of Satan is after one group of people on the earth. But the Bible says as much as he will be after them, if you read Daniel 7, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, he will not get them. Why? Because there's a promise here. And I need you to focus on this promise. And as much as you can identify what's out there, I need you now to identify with what's inside of you. The kingdom of God is in you. What called you? What separated you? What brought you out? It was nothing less than the voice of God. What voice called you out of Babylon? The voice of Revelations 18. Not the voice of William Branham, but the voice of God to this age. That's who called us out for as much Daniel as thou sawest the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands and it break in pieces what did this stone do it started to break in pieces what's a stone it's a revelation your revelation is destroying the fear that Satan's putting on the world around you I'm not in the same realm of fear that the world lives in. I'm not worried about those things. I'm here on business for the king. I tell you, I pray it oftentimes when I don't know what to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I put that before me. I don't say... Lord, we're in the, I don't bring up COVID. I don't bring up all these things. I say, your kingdom. That's the kingdom I'm under. That's the voice I'm under. And it says, it'll break in pieces. And the great God has made known to the king, which shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain. And the interpretation is thereof sure. Now, just go over with me to Daniel 7. We're just going to take a couple of verses. Now, if you remember all the verses that I read in Daniel chapter 7, and they were all about the third kingdom, the fourth kingdom, the, the truth of these kingdoms. In the middle of that, God drops these things in. 
And he says, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, sorry, in Daniel chapter 7, okay, I didn't write that down. What's the first one I gave you in the next list? I think it's chapter 11, 12, or what is it? No, verse 9, sorry, it's 9, sorry. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, I, I know where I'm at, really, I do. <laughs> sorry to exude so much confidence here. Paul did say he was with you in weakness and trembling, and so I'm, I'm here in stuttering and confusion, but I'm okay. God knows this here. So after this fourth kingdom, all of a sudden this drops in. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair as the head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So now Daniel is not just seeing chapter 2 about a stone, but now he's seeing who's behind this stone. And he also sees this in verse 10. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from him. And thousand times thousands ministered unto him. Who were those that ministered unto him? That was his bride. Those were the ones that called him Lord as when he was still coming into power. He is Lord today of my life. It is not the fourth kingdom that is the Lord of my life. It is Christ that is my Lord. It is not Babylon I bow to. It's Him I bow to. He is my Lord. And I worship Him. And it says, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before Him. Speaking also of a group of people that would come at a white throne. And the judgment was set and the books were opened. Now drop down to verse 18. In the middle of this when Daniel asked for the truth. And he says, these great kings. Now it says, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Now it's not just a stone, it's given to people. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Malachi 4, it was the last Satan's toughest blow, but the last act of the righteous is to walk on the ashes of the wicked. That's my part. That's in the millennium. Verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days come, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. As real as the fourth beast is, so real are these promises. Chapter 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and dominions and serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. Finito. Done. It's it. You're finished, Satan. This is God's word to you. It shall not fail. It's not just a stone, but it's the saints. It's those that are identified with it. There's a people on the earth today that are starting to take dominion. There's a people that are the final voice. This is the mystery of Babylon, but this is the mystery of Christ in the bride. Are you one of them? Let's have the musicians come. We love the word of God, don't we? 
It's our lifeline. It's the truth. It's more real. Heavens and earth will pass away. But his word will never pass away. Well, where's, is Brother John, you're up here. I, I, I can't get that song out of my mind. I think we're going to sing it one more time. Is that all right? And we're going to stand and we're going to sing the verse, the chorus with him while he sings the verses. Is that okay? All right. I think he's had his warm-up. Now he's going to sing it for real. So let's stand together. How many are happy to be here tonight? How many are happy they are not a part of the Babylonian system? That a voice has called us out. Oh, hallelujah. Babylon has become the cage. It's trapped every clean, unclean and foul spirit. But in the midst of that, a voice comes out. I want to take this into another part, and then I'll take the part that Brother Andrew trampled on in Sunday night service, which is turning the heart of the king. But we're going we're gonna to save that for next time. Let's sing, Brother John. We'll sing it on the chorus with him, okay? I think we, we've got the words. We can do that. Babylon Teaching me her pleasure-driven ways Have some fun Forget about tomorrow Live today Her music and her fashion Her Hollywood and passion Can stimulate the flesh just like wine and all the while she pulls us all away from everything divine but I have heard a voice but I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon oh to a higher a mountain I can live upon But I have made my choice Jesus is my joy and liberty further to the soul Oh put religion on and never let the spirit have control Oh she stands against revival the truth within the Bible dividing hungry hearts with chains of fear and somehow makes confusion of the world that God has made so
I trust, friends, that we can see a picture. Don't look at the world the same way, but look with eyes of revelation. Amen. How many want him in, to have first place in your heart? Amen. Let's just uh, change the order a little bit and, uh, you know, talk about words and music. Christ is the words and the music. You are the words to the music. You are the song that I sing. In the middle of Babylon, we go and sing a song. Whistling. And everybody says, where did that guy come from? Where did that sister come from? Well, they come from another place. They're another kingdom. They're not part of this world. Amen. Who are the words to the music? And you are the song that I sing. to have a little bit of discernment and you need to stay in love with God. 
Stay in love with his word. Walk with him. Talk with him. He'll see you through. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Of course, go not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord.
I, I don't know, it was yesterday or today I prayed. I said, Lord, if we don't have you, there's no way I'm going to stand. If I don't have you in the midst of the pressure of this age, I'll never stand. But you promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us. No matter how dark it gets, you said, there's a man that can turn on the light. This next verse says, I've been on the mountain with Jesus. I've been in the valley so low. Never one time has he failed me. So to him with my troubles I'll go. I don't know if you have troubles tonight. But he's the high priest tonight. If you we just sing this song as Brother Mark comes. And you feel like you need a touch. Why don't you just touch him as our brother prays? Why don't you just reach out to him? It could be the smallest need. But he hears it. Maybe tonight as the word was ministered, you realize that there's some pulls of Babylon that are still there. I, I, I'm honest that I have to pray, say, Lord, take that little thing out of me. I, I want to be true. I, I don't want to be false. Can we be honest with God, every one of us? I believe the Lord is here to meet our needs as we go. Brother Mark, we're going to have you come as soon as we sing this verse 2 in the chorus. Well, I've been on the mountain with Jesus. I've been